want to read from Matthew chapter 11, uh, Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Today I'm starting a series, this is part one, this is a three-part series, and we're ending it on the last Sunday of October and that is going to be an unplugged service. It's going to be a little different. We're going to, um, it's, it's going to be very intense in our worship and praise, but it's also going to be very laid back uh, musically. In other words, very acoustic driven. It's going to be unplugged. It's going to be a great time. Looking forward to it. But I'm building up to that Sunday, and this is a series entitled Welcome Home Worshiper. I want to look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I'm starting part one of a three-part series. It is entitled, Welcome Home, Worshiper. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, that God, that you would speak to our hearts what you have laid on my heart. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Say, Welcome Home, Worshiper. J. Vernon McGee, years ago, told a story about how he was at the Tournament of Roses parade in Pasadena, California. This is before World War II. This is way back there. And he said the theme of the parade that year was be prepared. And the Standard Oil Company that we now know as ExxonMobil, it's been Chevron, it's eaten up a lot of other companies. But Standard Oil had this beautiful float that was passing right in front of J. Vernon McGee when all of a sudden it ran out of gas. McGee said this was hilarious because the theme of the parade was be prepared, and this is Standard Oil. Ran out of gas right in front of him. This is the, the company that Rockefeller built. And of all floats that should not have run out of gas, it was certainly this particular one. They had access to vast resources, and yet it was them. They are the ones that ran out of gas. McGee points out that we have access to all of heaven, to the power of God. And the question is, why are so many of us running on empty? Our God has the ability to do anything. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, if you can believe anything is possible, mountains can be moved if you believe. And worship is aligning ourselves with the truth of who our God is. He is the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And when we worship Him, humanity is building a habitat 
for divinity. We are building a house that he will inhabit. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his covenant people. He is enthroned on the worship and the praise of the people who are called by his name. And where he is and where his presence is, brothers and sisters, signs, miracles, wonders, anything can happen. And that's why it is so important that we worship and praise him. We spend a lot of time, about half our services, lifting up the name of Jesus in song, lifting our hands together corporately, praying to him corporately. Why do we do that? Because praise and worship is so vital in the Christian life. But there is something exceptionally powerful about the worship of someone who has pieces missing, about the worship of someone who has brokenness in their lives. There's something exceptionally beautiful about the worship of someone like the guy in our story, a leper. Jensen Franklin calls what he offered leper worship. In in our reading, we're privileged to get a glimpse of just what that looks like. Leprosy is still around today. It's known as Hansen's disease. It's treatable. It can be controlled nowadays with medication. Valerie and I have worked with people who have Hansen's disease. I'm sure you know right up the road in Carville, Louisiana, is the Hansen's Disease Museum, what was called the sanitarium or the last leper colony in America. In Bible times, there was no treatment. Leprosy was absolutely devastating. It brought on a slow death. Not only did leprosy affect the skin, but it also affected the cartilage. It affected the bones, the the muscle, (coughs) the organs. Lepers would waste away on the outside, but they would also waste away on the inside. They literally had pieces missing, fingers, toes, a nose, an ear, teeth, a jaw. They were disfigured. Some became blind. Their voices would become raspy because it affected their vocal cords. Their organs were damaged. They were weak, ragged. It was a ruthless, relentless, grinding, grisly disease that they would end up having to bury parts of their body that fell off before they ever died. Can you imagine that? Having a funeral for your finger or for your ear, it was a nightmare. I've got a picture of some hands of a leper. Let me throw this on the screen. Got a couple of these. It really is true that that they would lose the extremities first, and it, it would work its way inside the rest of the body. Hands destroyed, fingers lost because of the side effects and, and the direct effects of leprosy. Now, before I show this next picture, I, I want to give you a warning. This is graphic, but I want you to see the face of a leper. 
This is a leper patient from 1895. Jason, if you'll put that up there. This is what leprosy could do. Over time, the leper became a walking corpse. Writers from Bible times call them the walking dead because of their skin condition and their sensitivity to the sun. They would mainly come out at night. They would rummage through the trash and look for food. Luke, the physician, describes the leper in our story and his rendering of this particular story. He describes this leper as being full of leprosy. He had suffered for a long time. He was one of the walking dead. Now, they suffered physically, yes, but they also suffered socially because the, the, the disease was contagious. It was communicable. And so lepers had to be isolated from the rest of society. They were off limits. They were out of bounds. The leper in our reading had been separated from friends and family for many years. One rabbi said, if a leper was downwind from another person, the lep leper had to maintain a distance of at least six feet if he was downwind. That was as close as he could get. But if another person was downwind from the leper, the leper had to maintain a distance of at least 150 feet. The Levitical code said lepers had to, they had to mask their mouths with a cloth. And if anyone moved towards them, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And this was difficult because their voice was affected. They were the untouchables of their day. They suffered physically. They suffered socially. But they also suffered spiritually because they couldn't practice their faith by going to synagogue or temple. They had no priest. They could offer no sacrifices. They were considered cursed, even cursed by God himself. That was the plight of the leper in our reading. He was a Jew. He, he had promises. Deuteronomy 28 belonged to him, but it sure doesn't sound like him. Listen to Deuteronomy 28. These first verses especially. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today. And the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket, your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, 
Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods. He goes on, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, cause the rain to come down on you. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. Verse 14, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words I command you to the state of the right or to the left. On the other hand, the last part of Deuteronomy 28, it's a different story. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, His statutes, that all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be the basket, your basket, your kneading bowl. Cursed will be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, your cattle, your offspring. You'll be cursed when you come in, cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, rebuke, and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed, until you utterly perish because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, fever, inflammation, severe burning fever, with the sword, scorching, with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And on and on it goes for another 40 or 50 more verses. This guy was a descendant of Abraham. He was supposed to have this all-access pass to the blessings of heaven, all of heaven's resources. But here he is, powerless, like that standard oil float in that parade out of gas. It had to be frustrating, and no doubt we know he had to have hoped and prayed, and yet here he was literally falling apart. What a picture, huh? Now, in our reading, Jesus had recently burst onto the scene. His ministry started not very far away in Cana of Galilee at a marriage. He had been healing everything that came his direction. No sickness, no disease could stand before his anointing. He healed the deaf. He healed the mute. He healed the lame. He healed the blind. It was absolutely astounding. Really, God had come down and tabernacled among his people. That's the wording in John 1.14. He was not dwelling in a building made with hands like the temple, but in the body of the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 10.5 speaks of Jesus where it says, A body thou hast prepared for me. Paul said, All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. And really, the temple in Jerusalem did not even have an Ark of the Covenant in it. But Jesus was walking around. He was the fulfillment of all that the Ark and the temple represented. Jesus was the temple. Jesus was the Holy of Holies. Jesus was the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. Our leper had suffered physically, socially, and spiritually and had not been allowed to go to the temple to worship. But in Jesus, listen, The temple came to him. Let me just stop right here and say this. Aren't you glad that when you could not get to Jesus, Jesus found a way to get to you? (laughs) People say, if I would walk in the church, 
the roof would collapse. Well, let me give you my story. When I would not come to Jesus, Jesus walked into my house and my roof did collapse. He turned my world upside down. When I couldn't get to him, he found a way to get to me. I love that. So this leper heard about Jesus, this mobile temple, this tabernacle of God, and he believed that Jesus could maybe fix him if he could just get in proximity. He wasn't sure, but he was looking for him. And when he heard that Jesus was nearby, this leper broke all the rules, all the protocol. He took that rag off of his face. He stopped yelling, unclean, stay away. And he ran to Jesus just as fast as his little broken body could get him there. And Matthew says it. Matthew says that the leper worshipped. This is leper worship. This is what it looks like. So Mark describes it like this. Mark says he dropped to his knees when he got to Jesus. Luke says he fell on his face. So picture it. Here is a leper eaten up with leprosy, suffering in all kinds of ways. He's already pretty low, wouldn't you say? And as if he couldn't get any lower, he drops to his old nubby knees, and then he falls on his messed up face. John MacArthur says the wording means he flattened out before the Lord like a pancake. He just flattened out before the Lord Jesus. What was he doing? He was worshiping. He was aligning himself with the truth of who Jesus was. Jesus was the temple. Jesus was the ark. Jesus was the priest. Jesus was the sacrifice, the lamb, God in flesh. And Jesus deserved this man's worship. No matter, even if he had pieces missing, this leper seemed more cursed than blessed. But he decided, he made his mind up, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He was positioning himself in doing so to get in the flow. I'm telling you, I got a message for you today. He was positioning himself to get in a flow of the blessing and the favor of God that he had been searching for. Here's what I love about Jesus. I love this. This leper comes up, mask missing. He's disheveled. He's got pieces missing, and and he falls flat before Jesus and begins to worship him. Jesus doesn't take off running. Jesus is not scared of the leper like Jesus was scared that he was going to get leprosy from the leper. He was not scared. He was not afraid. He didn't say, you filthy leper, you outcast, you're unclean. Don't you know who I am? Get away from me. But by his actions, Jesus was saying, Hey, buddy, welcome home. You belong in this place. You are right where you need to be in my presence. You you might not be welcome in that temple over there. Neither am I. (laughs) But you're welcome 
here, son. I want to encourage somebody today, no matter what circumstances you may find yourself in, right here today in this service, you may have some pieces missing, my brother and my sister. People may look at you and judge you and say, you sure do look more cursed than blessed. I want you to know we have a Jesus who is settled in this place. He is a high priest, a mediator, a sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we are in His holy presence today. And if you will align yourself with who He is instead of basing your worship on what you've got, there is a flow of God's favor and blessing that's going to sweep in this house and turn your world upside down. Come on, give him some praise right now. Can you do it? Somebody needs to offer up some leper worship. The leper was saying, I know I don't have it all together, but I'm going to worship the one who does. He was admitting, it's not by my might. It is not by my power. Look what that's gotten me. But, oh, it's by your spirit, oh, God. This leper did not let his own limitations stop him from worshiping. He didn't let his worst stop him from giving God his very best. He worshiped just like he was, warts and all. If he had waited until he was no longer a leper to worship, he may have never worshipped. He may have never gotten his healing. But he began to worship God just as he was as a leper. I'm telling you, if you don't start worshiping God right where you are, warts and all, you may never get your chance to worship. You may never get your healing. You may never get your deliverance. You may never find the favor and blessing of God. you got to start right where you are. Look around you. I like to do this. I like to pick on you. Look around you. You see these people? They are really, you look at them, you think they're offering sanctified Holy Ghost worship and praise. But I'm going to tell you, everyone in this house is really offering up leper praise. Everyone in this house is saying, but for the grace of God, I don't deserve nothing, but I'm going to give the one who deserves everything my very best. You got to start right where you are. Don't wait till you get it together. Woo! Hallelujah! Somebody go, hallelujah! Somebody go, yes! Woo! We give you praise today, Lord. Come on, all across the house, give him some praise. We give you praise today, Lord. Hey, this is not Presbyterian worship. This is not Methodist worship. This is not Baptist worship. This is not non-denominational worship. This is not Pentecostal worship. This is leper worship. Except for the grace of God. I don't deserve nothing. I give you praise, Lord, just as I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get caught up, man. We're like, when I break that addiction, 
Oh, I'm going to worship him. When those bills finally get paid, when I emerge out of bankruptcy, when this divorce finally settles down, when this stuff goes away, then I'll worship him. Listen, that's the wrong attitude. you got to be like this leper. i got pieces missing. i got deformities. i got brokenness. But I'm going to take what i got, and I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. You watch what happens. When you praise God with what you got left. Now, now there's scripture, listen. Whew, let me take a drink. There's scripture that I believe in wholeheartedly. I'm a holiness preacher, man. I believe in being separate from the world. I believe in living a different lifestyle. We got people in the church today that are so confused, and they're reacting to legalists and, and, and goofy stuff that said, if you'll do this, you'll go to heaven. And really, that wasn't the proper approach. It, it probably should have been presented better. Like, now that Jesus has you and you're going to heaven, why don't you start living a life that's pleasing to him? There's a different mindset because you get in that rat race of earning it. Well, if you can earn it, you can lose it. And we, if we are honest with ourselves, we lose it all the time, right? If that's the way we're doing it, we're losing it all the time. I told you all before I used to have the save-loss mentality. I was like save for like five minutes, and then I'd do something bad, and I was lost. So I had to repent because I knew if I didn't repent, I'd go to hell. Jesus said if you don't repent, you're going to hell. So I took that, and I'm like, i got to live righteous, 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 righteous. Oh, my goodness, I fell. I get back up. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I knew if the trumpet sounded. Y'all remember those old school services? We had the old school services. I literally remember in a balcony. I know Wesley does, too, because he has nightmares about it. But in the balcony, years ago, years ago, in the balcony of my old church, man, they did the secret. Nobody knew he was up there. They had a trumpet player. And they're preaching about the coming of the Lord. And they're like, what if tonight, right now, he hit it. And I'm like, I'm lost. I'm lost. I didn't go up. I didn't go up. Oh, it's a trick. Oh, I see. Okay, well, whatever. You know, let's go eat some pizza. Don't look at me all like that. Like, you don't know what I'm, some of you know what I'm talking about besides Wesley. I'm a holiness preacher, though. I, I think because the reaction of, you know, I got, I got to earn it myself. It's an affront to the cross. If I get a glimpse of the cross, the grace of God teaches me to deny ungodliness and to live a different life. I, I, I don't do what I do in my walk with God and my disciplines. It walking as a disciple before the Lord. I'm, I'm talking about a lifestyle. I don't mean just going to church. You know, this is just a building, folks. We don't live for God in here. We live for God out there. It's a walk, man. It's like a daily walk. You live for God every day. And so in my walk, I'm not living those disciplines and doing those things, re- refusing the flesh and 
and, and doing what I'm supposed to do and refusing to do what I shouldn't do. I'm not doing that stuff to get to heaven. I'm doing that stuff because I got a glimpse of heaven and the price, the ticket that was paid for me to get there. And because of that, I'm, 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 I'm learning and I'm walking, but I'm also making some mistakes. But there's some scriptures in our holiness walk that we'll get a hold of. Here's one of them. Psalm 24, 3 says, Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So we're like, wow, man, if I'm going to worship God, I've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. And we start thinking over the previous few days, few hours, maybe some of us the previous few minutes, we're like, what, what was my heart focused on? Uh, what sins have I been involved in recently? And so we decide I'm not going to be the one who ascends into the hill of the Lord because I've got dirty hands and a dirty heart. Now, it's real quiet. I didn't expect anybody to say amen. Because then everybody look at you. First oh. Timothy 2.8, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands. Man, this was playing in my office right before I walked in here, ironically. Bishop Norman L. Wagner in the Mount Calvary Concert Choir. I'm going to lift up holy hands in the presence of the Lord. And we think, well, as men, you know, how's my life been? Well, I don't think I've lived so holy this week, so I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to ascend into the hill of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, we have to strive to live a clean life, a life of holiness. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But Romans 3.10 and other scriptures tell us there's none righteous, no, not one. Even the best among us, which as we all know is Miss Cynthia, the best among us is not good enough without Jesus. <laughs> James chapter 2 said, listen, if you're going to live by the law, you're going to have to die by the law. Essentially, James 2.10 says, it's all or nothing. If you break one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking every single part of it. Galatians 5.9 says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We could say it like this, a little leprosy, a little sin, makes the whole man a leper, makes the whole man a sinner. So here's my point. If you don't worship as you are, when in the world are you ever going to worship? I wish I had some people at LifePoint that could understand you can come to Him just the way you are. You can lift a withered hand to Him. You can lift eyes that have not always looked where they should look. You can lift that voice that doesn't always say what it should say. You can bow those blistered, scuffed-up knees that are scuffed up from tripping and falling on a regular basis. You can fall on that face that's got a few miles on it, a lot of worry on it, and you can worship the Lord just like you are. You don't have to get cleaned up to worship the Lord, it's amazing to me because as the leper worshipped, 
Jesus looked at him and was moved with compassion. He reached out, felt the sorrow of this man and the desperation of this man. He was moved by this man's desperation. The Lord Jesus is touched by the feelings of our infirmities and our weaknesses. Don't think for a moment that the heavens are glossed over and God doesn't know right where you are. He is moved by your condition. He is, and listen, he's not afraid of your brokenness, and he will touch you right where you are. He reached out and touched this man. Some of us have lost so much. And there are some in this house that have lost so much but are prime examples of worship. There are others in this house that they've not lost as much, at least it looks like that, on the surface. And they're being out-worshipped by some of the most broken people in the room. Jerry Dean, my pastor, always says, it seems to me those who have the most worship the least, and those who worship the least who, who have the least worship the most. I've seen that in my travels around the world. We are so blessed here in America. Don't let anything stop you. Come to him just like you are. Years ago, there was this thing in church world called the Baltimore Revival. Valerie and I planted a church in Bel Air, Maryland. It's northeast of Baltimore. We were up there doing our church planting thing, and it just so happened that my next-door neighbor was this Assemblies of God man connected with he and his family and uh, just really a strong connection, great people. And he said, Donovan, have you heard of the Baltimore Revival? Well, I had just gotten into town. Even though this Baltimore Revival had been written up in Charisma Magazine and Christianity Today and, and all this kind of, I had somehow, it was off my radar. I didn't have a clue. He said, have you heard about the Baltimore Revival? I said, no, no, I, I guess, you know, like I have it. Uh, the Lord didn't consult me if that was, you know, like allowable with me in this region now, and didn't consult me. And so, no, I have not heard about it. He said, well, let's go to it. It's, it's down at Rock Church, Pastor Bart Pierce, and let's go, down to the, let's go down to the revival. I said, okay, man, let's do it. I'm all for it. So we go down there, and people are worshiping, praising the Lord. Presence of God is in the room. And, and, and the speaker walks out late. It's one of those kind of things, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that before. The preacher walks out like right at the last minute. It was one of those kind of revivals. Preacher walked out at the very last minute, came walking out, and, and it was Pastor Bart, but it was also this evangelist that was kind of facilitating the Baltimore revival. And the guy walks out, and he's a friend of mine. And I'm like, I know him. Well, there's thousands of people there. Well, this preacher sees me. Because I'm front and center. Like, I'm always trying to get front and center. I'm just telling you. Uh, I, we had some good seats at LSU yesterday, and I was so thankful. I'm always trying to get as close as I can because I don't see so good. In Jesus' name, I'll be healed. But until then, I'm going to be front and center. I, I pack binoculars. I'm that guy. And so I'm front and center. Well, the guy walks out on the stage, looks down and sees me. And he's like, he walks down, comes over and hugs me. Now, my neighbor is totally blown away. He's like, oh, my God, you know him. I said, yeah, we're, we grew up together. Oh. He started speaking in tongues right there, literally. Just 
my credibility went up way high. And, and so I hugged this guy and all. So the service went on and on. And, and at the end of the service, like we people were praying for people, evangelists in the past, they were praying for everybody, laying hands on people. And when it was over, they said, Donovan, won't you come back here to the green room? And I said, sure, I got a buddy with me. Do you mind if, if Scott comes? He, he, they said, no problem. I, I say, Scott, come on back to the green room. He's like, oh, no, you go ahead and go. And I said, what, they, they said you could go. He's like, no, 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 you, you go ahead and go. I said, okay, bud, you know. So I walked back into the green room. It's probably a good thing that Scott didn't go because when I got back there, they handed me a bottle of Purell, and they said, hey, you want to wash off the fellowship? <laughs> I said, oh, well, I guess. And, and so, you know, they've been laying hands on people. And, and now listen, that's not a bad thing, right? It's like you, you don't know what you're touching. Hello. I need to move on quickly. I can see. But they said, you want to wash off the fellowship? Well, I said, I see what you're doing here. Here's my point. Jesus, when the leper came to him, he didn't have to wash off the fellowship when he reached out and touched him. He wasn't afraid of him. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your stinkiness. He's not afraid of your rottenness. He's not afraid of your leprosy or your sin. It's not so bad. He is so holy and so good. You're not going to corrupt him, but he's going to change you. Can you give him some praise right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand up with me. I'm, I'm trying to come to a close. Jesus can handle it. Jesus touches the leper, touches him. It's amazing to me. Lepers worshiping. Welcome home, worshiper. You belong here. And Jesus touches him. But nothing happened. Nothing. You know, presence of God, power of God. Jesus is anointed with a holy anointing. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, to change everything. But this man, this leper, he had gotten to him, but he didn't know if Jesus was willing to use that anointing, that power to heal him. He might do it for somebody else, but I don't know about me. Brothers and sisters, that's where so many of us get bogged down. I know God will touch so-and-so. I know God will touch so-and-so. I know God will touch Miss Cynthia. Or we even look at some, you know, down and outs or up and outs and say, I know God can change them. God can touch them. Well, what about you? Ah, nobody knows you. Like you know you. And this man has a lot of doubts. Listen to me. Until we get the will of God sorted out in our thinking, there are some things that will never happen, even in the presence of God. You've got to know that he wants to touch you and change you forever. Some of us were in his presence on a regular basis, but there never seems to be a change some of us are like, boy, I sure would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but, ah, you know, we'll get in his presence, but we never receive. 
This is the only time Jesus was ever explicitly asked if it was God's will to heal in general, but specifically about this leper. This leper is asking for himself. And this is the only time we ever get an answer from Jesus explicitly. He says, I will. It's like he was saying, of course I'm willing. You need to rest assured. You need to hear this preacher today and know. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He will not withhold any good thing from you. He is not willing that any should perish, including you, but that all should come to a place of repentance, including you. By his stripes, you've got to understand, you were healed. He is for you. He is on your side. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He daily loads you with benefits. So let me just give you some advice right now. Go ahead and bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Because it ain't about me. It's all about Him. Hallelujah. This leper had been banned from the temple, but not from Jesus. What the law of Moses could not do, Jesus could. Where the law of Moses fell short, through Jesus, the arm of the Lord was extended. It was not short that it couldn't reach and it couldn't save. Where the law of Moses could not go, Jesus could go. Jesus was saying to this man, welcome home, worshiper. This is right where you belong. Where religion had failed this man, Jesus was there to make a difference. And he went home, this guy. He was healed when he got that sorted out. Oh, it is possible. The Bible says, and immediately, boom, this man was healed. I believe in the context, there's some other lepers that were healed, and we see some distinctions and whatnot. But from this story, I believe this man was healed and made whole. I believe fingers started growing where there were no fingers. I believe his skin started straightening up. Any deformities all popped out. He went back to his original form, so to speak, and he came home to his wife and to his babies. And you know what they were saying? Welcome home. Jesus said, welcome home, worshiper. They were saying, welcome home, baby. Welcome home, honey. I'm going to tell you something. There's some reunions that can take place if you'll start prostrating yourself on your face before the Lord and laying yourself out before him in worship. Can you lift your hands to him right now? Father, thank you so much for the word of the living God, for a story of a leper who taught us how to worship just as we are.